And welcome back to another episode of On the Bench with Beaks. This is episode 41, and I am your host, Cody Beekman. I am joined, as always, by Bryce McMillan. How's it going, everybody? Ross Mormeyer. Hey, what's up, guys? And Daniel Beatty. Hello, everybody. Today, we got a special show today, and uh, with us uh, is a great guy, Met off of Twitter. He's a locked on Avalanche contributor, mile high sticking contributor, and got his own podcast running now called Fourth Line Minutes. Kyle Sullivan. Kyle, say hello to everybody on the bench. Hello, everyone on the bench. It is an honor to be on the show. <laughs> well, we're stoked to have you, man. We've got a great show going on. We're going to be talking about, yes, it is uh, confirmed. We are going to have hockey this season, so we're going to get into that, talk about a little bit of divisions, talk about some uh, old southern Alabama cooking hockey, and we're going to get into it with a little (laughs) hockey day in history. Good old jambalaya. Some good old jambalaya, (laughs) as as Newman would say on Seinfeld. I love how much Seinfeld actually pops up on this show. It's awesome. So uh, as per per usual, we're going to let the guests, start off, uh, kick off our Hockey Day in History. Kyle, what do you got for Hockey Day in History? On this day in the year 2014, the NHL was enduring a pandemic. A mumps outbreak sweeps through the NHL on this day in 2014. I remember that. Oh, man. <laughs> uh, you, know, you know what's so funny about that, actually? I, uh, it's hilarious that you bring that up. I mean, obviously, seeing how we're in this awful pandemic right now, but I, all I, the, the thing I remember most from that is Sidney Crosby's just mumped face. Yeah. Like, it, like uh, when he was, like, uh, when he was uh, in his interview, uh, before he actually found out he had mumps, he just had, like, this entire right side of his face was, like, jutting two inches out. It was just like, this, yeah. something's wrong with this guy. And, and I just remember all the... All the hilarious memes and stuff that going around with it. So that, that's hilarious that you bring that up. Yeah, Good I remember it being, uh, if the Syracuse Crunch would even survive this pandemic, and now look where we are. Oh, right? <laughs> <laughs> the Mifflums. That, that's, that's an interesting hockey day in history. I love it. Uh, I'm going to go, I'm gonna go uh, left to right. So let's go, uh, Daniel Beatty. What you got for the... All right. Well, after not mentioning Gretzky at all, I'm going to go back to back with him here. And um, I'm going to go back to December 18th, 1983, uh, because this is just one of those insane stats among his insane stats that I just have a hard time comprehending is real. Um, He plays against the Winnipeg Jets and they beat them seven to five which already is an indication that the score is probably crazy. Uh, And that's Wayne Gretzky's 100th point for the season. Just happened to be in game 34. Yeah. Oh, my God. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, like, what the hell, man? He... You know, like, oh yeah, I got 100 points in one season. Oh, good for you. At that pace, he lapped you. You know, like he'd get, that might have been the season he got 212. I should look that up, but that was just nuts, eh? 100 points in game 34? 
That's absolutely God. ridiculous. Man. I mean, I, 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 that goes goes without saying. I mean, the great one. Mm-hmm. So, hundred points in thirty games, sweet. All right, Ross, right. what do you got for hockey day in history? Well, uh, this day in hockey history, December 16th, 1993, uh, the Quebec Nordiques, Joe Sackick, scores his 200th NHL career goal in an unfortunate 3-2 uh, to two loss to the Flyers. So, um, but yeah, I figured I'd do that since I got my reverse retro in, so. Nice. Way to follow the reverse retro three, essentially, you know. Look at that guy. Look at that guy go. Look at that guy go. Stick I've just mention, I've got a reverse retro jersey now. <laughs> All right, Bryce, what do you got, man? All right, so on this hockey day in history, the Blackhawks retired Bobby Hall's uniform number nine in a pregame ceremony at Chicago Stadium. However, Blackhawks lost 5-1 to one to the visiting Boston Bruins, Cody. Oi, oi, yeah, that's what I'm talking about, a little Bostonian pride there. You know, I, I gotta say, man, I've, uh, I mean, I've been lucky enough to meet a lot of uh, uh, professional hockey players in my day. I mean, you know, uh, just just being lucky and uh, just being in and out the hockey community. Uh, I, I gotta say, uh, Ross and I, we had the distinguished pleasure of meeting him completely out of the blue. We were going, we were going to an Avs Blackhawks game, and. Um, we were going to switch out the. It was his uh, birthday our, that night too. Yeah, uh, we were going to switch out our tickets for ADA seats, and uh, I was just sitting there while um, Ross was switching them out, and I I turn around, and who do I see? The fucking Golden Jet just coming in on his rascal, and I'm just <laughs> I'm sitting there staring at him, and uh, Ross comes up to the side of me, he's like, "Dude, what are you looking at?" I'm like, "Dude, that's Bobby Hull. That's fucking Bobby Hull." <laughs> And uh, and uh, like our eyes met, Bobby and I met, and it seemed like uh, we were like lost friends. And uh, I I just drive straight up to him, and next thing you know, we're just chatting hockey with him, and uh, we we even got to take an elevator ride with him, and it was just was like great. he was such a down to earth kid guy. Uh, and I mean, it, it's definitely something I'll never forget ever again. I do like what he said to his family and friends that were with him. Like, they're all standing there like, oh, come on, Bobby. He's like, no, I want to ride the elevator with my new friends. Like, it was just oh. like, whoa, okay, what What the hell? <laughs> <laughs> like, really uh, af- a- after we get out the elevator, like, Ross and I just kind of look at each other. Like, do you realize how many NHL goals, like, scoring titles, Stanley Cups we just talked to? Like just ridiculous. Like it was just nuts. I don't really wash my hand. I don't think I washed my hands for like a week and a half after shaking his. So I mean, I just sit there and just looked at it for like every, like all the time. <laughs> I, I, I touched and the gold. Uh, I touched the golden jet. I, I, I literally touched him. But no, great guy. Him. And um, uh, if you're if you're listening, Bobby, uh, thank you for being such a stand-up guy to us and ha- having a chat with us. Alright, so I'm, I'm going sure. I'm I'm to close quick, this uh, Hockey Day in history off real quick here. On December 18, 2003, Ottawa's Daniel Alfredson became just the second player in team history to score 200 goals. 
as the Senators won 6-1 over the visiting Chicago Blackhawks. Al Alverson would also add an assist in the game. So, gotta gotta uh, gotta bring up my boy Alfie. You know me with my Swedish hockey. So, gotta gotta mention Alfie every now and then. There's a there's a trend. Well, on he was such show. an amazing player. We we got me with the Gretzky, Ross on the Canuck hating, and you with the Swedish guys every time. It's awesome. Um, <laughs> It's almost become quite predictable at this point. <laughs> the only one that's really like a wild card is like Bryce. Pretty yeah. Much. yeah. <laughs> but anyways, let's get to it, man. We've got a lot to talk about and some ex very exciting news. We will have a NHL season this season. It's going to be a 56-game season which we were all kind of actually just thinking of 48-game season, so that's another uh, that's a plus right there. And we're going to be starting January 13th with, like, a, a January 1st kind of um, uh, preseason uh, pre uh, training camp. So, boys, tell me about it. How, are, how excited are you? Uh, what do you expect in the coming, uh, in the coming weeks, what, uh, how everybody's going to be getting prepared for it? Pretty stoked. Um, from the sounds of it, um, looking through multiple resources, NHL.com, most of these players are back at home at their own hometowns where they're playing. Um, so they're ready to go. It sounds like everyone's kind of ready for a go come January, especially when they're back in their towns where they're playing at. So it's, it sounds like, you know, little retrospect, small news, little little thing to look at, but it sounds to me like if they're back in town, they're ready to go soon as possible. I'm Absolutely. stoked on it. Kyle, yeah, Kyle, what do you think here, man? I think it's going to be a fascinating sprint through this shortened season. And, I mean, we're starting up, like, second week of January. This could mark 11 months since some teams have played. So oh, yeah. there's going to be some really well-rested teams coming into this sprint of a season. And uh, how the NHL handles... Any potential COVID outbreaks is going to be interesting. We might still be staring at 48 games, so that's not outside the realm of possibility at this point also if we do have to shut things down for certain teams. so well, that It's is going to be very interesting. Point. That is a good point. I mean, see, especially how the NFL has been dealing with their stuff. I mean, you've got game cancellations. You've got game postponements. So it will be an interesting way. Um, what do you guys think they will do to combat that? Uh, do you think it's going to be uh, a little more uh, bubbleish, or uh, what, what? Like I don't know. Um, where are we looking here? Because obviously we're looking at like uh, different different divisions. Uh, obviously daily testing. Um, uh, where, where's where are you guys sitting right now? On the idea, like, if you were to compare it to the NFL, what do you guys think would, would be happening here? Um, well, I really liked what Mike Chambers talked about with us on an earlier episode about the business side of the NHL and how it survives and how all of these leagues are very tied to their TV contracts. But unfortunately for the NHL, just that contract is more dependent on their survival than another franchise. So they are pressured into playing in every arena. However, 
we can't really foresee that truly taking place. The NFL, as a comparison, only plays 16 games in a season, and they're having trouble just traveling on that bare minimum alone. They're canceling games in college football, allowing Ohio State to compete for the Big Ten championship without playing their minimum six games, I believe, or five or whatever it was. Um, so there's already these like contingency rules being played upon, which I think in the NHL is an inevitability if they went about it trying to play in every stadium. So I don't think that's ever really going to happen. Um, but they might be pressured into it from the financial standpoint. And unfortunately, that seems to be the modus operandi for the Never Fail League right now. Uh, it's They say players' health is important, but their actions speak otherwise. And I don't see how the NHL and that board being more financially pressured is going to then be any more health lenient. So it's going to be interesting. Yeah. Daniel, I agree with that 100%, especially when you look at how when you said there's only a 16-game season in the NFL, and you look at what goes into an NHL locker room and practice facility. There's a lot less people running around. You don't have a practice squad, essentially, with you in the same facility. Um, so you're also in an arena where, there's again, there's not going to be fans. And I look at that and I go, we're also seeing teams where they're debating not having um, inside games, but actually having outside arenas, which True. is pretty awesome. Yep. So you think of the ventilation piece of that. Um, and I also, again, look past um, in the past where the NHL was the first out of the big four sports to finish their season and actually have a championship. And with zero COVID cases because of the bubble fact. So I think this could maybe... Um, be a lot better than when we saw in the playoffs when you look up the research and maybe in the time past what they thought of to kind of keep COVID cases down. It could be a lot better, I feel like. Yeah, because if you also look at it to piggyback off of what Bryce said, the NFL has the 16 games. The NHL just went through a whole entire playoff with brackets and everything to get into it and didn't have a, an outbreak whatsoever. So I feel that they're going to rely heavily on this bubble system for sure, um, just because they are looking out for players' safety and just also just to not be part of that moral majority where they have positive cases every single week because that will just elongate the season, especially if they're wanting playoffs and everything to be said and done by, I think it was July 7th is what I read. So... That that just depends on how they do it. But if they stick with this bubble aspect of it, I think it it could be a very smooth season. The only, um, the I, I have I have one problem that I just kind of thought about this is that like um, you've got you've got the NFL that normally goes about like at least uh, four to five, maybe even a week's worth of days between games hockey's a little bit different whereas you're almost playing almost every other night do you think that might be a problem with covid outbreak uh it in any way possible it's a great question if sanitation happens between every game i think sure. if they adopt that series model 
where you yes. travel and play a team like a team like three games in a row, and then yes. take a couple days off and then go again like the MLB did. I think that would be the best way to hit all the teams in your division and still leave yourself some wiggle room in case there is an outbreak, but it limits the travel itself because the divisions are lined up in such a way that the travels are limited as much as possible. And if you play, say, go to San Jose, play them three games, and then a couple weeks later they come to Colorado and they play the Avs for three games, there you just knocked out six of the 53 right there. That's a, that's a really well, good point, actually. And, I mean, I've even heard to where the Sharks are going to use the Raiders stadium for, uh, for them to play. So you could get Vegas and San Jose knocked out in one trip and not have to go anywhere, too, if you do do that three-game yeah. series system. Yeah, you could have a little isolated bubble in that, that little series system where you can have a couple local teams that come in and everybody knock out their series real quick and that little soft bubble and then just move it to the next closest place. I think that's probably where they might be leaning, but who's to well, say that at this brings point? up an interesting point. It almost sounds like the NHL is using the NFL's offseason to, to capitalize on their stadiums to play outdoor games, which is a yeah. great idea. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, well, that's well, something. And they could even use some college stadiums, too, if they wanted to, yeah. if you look oh, at please, it. please, God, so, not Air Force Stadium again. Okay, not Air <laughs> Force, God, but no. it'd be like... Oh, I'm CU alumni, I'll take it. I'll take it. Yeah. Is that or CSU's new stadium? That'd be perfect too. Or yeah. Evergreen, play on a lake. <laughs> so, uh, in that case, um, let's let's talk about these teams that are actually looking at playing outdoors. Uh, the the thing that worries me is the money that goes into actually setting up these ice rinks in in these outdoor stadiums. Is that I mean? In some point, I mean, especially now, more than ever, the NHL is going to be worried worried about capital. Is that uh, do you guys think that's going to eat into a lot of uh, the NHL's capital this year? Setting up well, outdoor rinks. Well, here, like I'm in Alabama, we can have fans in our college football stadiums. So I know it's going to be expensive to put on an outdoor game, but you can also limit the capacity and social distance in, an, in a much bigger stadium and at least kind of offset the financials in that way by having an actual attendance, which the NHL hasn't had in a while. Yeah, with you can, I mean, 10 20%, let them in, distance them, and just use some of that to offset the expenses incurred on an outdoor game, the setup and all that. It's kind of like the NFL was a good example of this. They limited certain amount of fans in outdoor stadiums to see how that went. Um, you can definitely do the same thing with hockey. But I also think of the revenue that comes from having these um, these outdoor games, like the stadium series we had a couple of years ago, or the game we have every single year on uh, a New Year's Day. So you look at those things, you're like, what kind of revenue does that bring in? Can we space apart people and also play – outdoor games and kind of make it a, a sport where it's outdoors again because hockey is a really an outdoor sport in the wintertime. So it kind of gives, a, you know, more of a, a, a feeling 
to the game when you're a fan and a player too as well. So it could spark revenue, it could not, um, just based on the amount of people you have in an arena too. Well, it's an interesting you idea. Think, and you got to think like uh, a lot of fans would probably be more eager to go, especially in places where they haven't had an outdoor an outdoor game yet. I mean, obviously fans are going to want to go to games anyways. So, I mean, yeah, I, I, I can see that that uh, that'd be a great way to make up the possible lost revenue of not having fans and kind of combat the, uh, the, the amount of money that you're spending on actually making the outdoor rink. So uh, yeah, that's a good point. Yeah. Yeah. Um, the other thing I'm concerned about from the, the league's point of view, if I am voting as the NHL, that involves a vote by the owners and the owners probably have a stake in their arena. And if not, they're paying a lease to be in in an arena and they better have some kind of business proposal in place right now, where if they aren't playing in their arenas, they're also not having to pay rent on those arenas. Cause otherwise guys, all of these owners are still paying the lease on their arenas. And so some of these talks that you're hearing about where it's like, Hey, uh, we're going to have the sharks play in, in, in this arena. I don't know the exact teams, but part of the reason those talks are taking place is because the owner of NHL club a also owns football club B in same arena location. So, all right. So here's a few of teams. It's Pittsburgh Penguins, Boston Bruins, Los Angeles Kings, there's just some of the ones that are really debating this, like actually maybe really debating having outdoor games. Well, the other part about the outdoor game thing I was going to say, um, though, is part of the reason they're thinking about doing that is because that allows their fans to come. There's no other way for their fans to attend, or it's the way that this club in this city under its COVID restrictions are allowed to participate at all in a sport. So part of this is not, hey, can we make money? Part of it is like literally is this the only practical way we can put this on? So when you actually... Right, but when you actually then implement the outdoor scenario, whatever that costs, it's going to be an expense. So it has to offset whatever your costs are in your arena. So it has to be covered by, by some kind of like disaster relief insurance or something like that. So you'll see these plans move forward, but only if it's not at the sake of losing money because the owners are going to vote on these decisions and they're very concerned because of all the money they're already losing every year. And, and Mike Chambers came out with an article not too long ago, and Avalanche lost nearly 2% of revenue last year. And that's really based on fan it's not showing up to games because everyone had this COVID issue. So some teams might even have the budget because they've lost maybe a lot of money due to what happened during the COVID pandemic back in March. So it's not realistic for anybody when they're trying to save money. No, it's not. Well, they want to make it fun or some teams hope that it's it's financially viable, but it's it's very hard to see how that's the case. So I think they're just trying to um, cut their losses as much as possible, really, just to put the season on, Um, because I think the reason why we saw the NHL start trying to get back into delayed escrow negotiations and stuff is because 
you had the owner pressure being like, we need a different situation. We're already losing a lot of money. And it's like, nope, sorry, guess what? We already signed the CBA. That's why we kind of did all that already. So. Well, yeah, man, that, uh, that, goes to, that just goes to say what, uh, you know, what San Jose was planning on doing and playing in uh, Vegas, uh, uh, the Vegas Raiders um, arena right now because right now in San Jose they have signed uh, that initiative to not have any uh, contact sports at all within uh, all, mm-hmm. all of the... Uh, well, all the California, basic, yeah. So yeah, I mean that's that's a really good point too, Daniel. That like um, just having um, having mandates from each city be completely different is a huge part of it as well. Hmm. So that's yeah, that's a really good point. So we've got a rumored division realignment, and I'm gonna I'm gonna spout these off if I don't fuck it up too bad. Uh, <laughs> And uh, we'll, uh, we'll we'll t- we'll take a look at these real quick. Uh, so we got the first uh, we got the all Canadian division, obviously Calgary, Edmonton, Montreal, Ottawa, Toronto, Vancouver, Winnipeg. Then you've got the first USA division, which would be Boston, Buffalo, New Jersey, New York, New York, Philadelphia, Pittsburgh, Washington. Uh, USA two would be Carolina, Chicago, Columbus, Detroit, Florida. And my screen went red. Yeah, Florida, Minnesota, Nashville, Tampa Bay, and the last one, Anaheim, Arizona, Colorado, Dallas, L.A., San Jose, St. Louis, and Vegas. Where are we at here? I mean, obviously, I think a lot of Canadians, and I think I might be able to speak for Daniel here, is kind of... uh, excited about having an all-Canadian division. I think it'd be uh, pretty cool. I mean, obviously. And then you've got these other divisions. Uh, well, what are, your, uh, what are your guys' thoughts, Kyle? Uh, I'll, I'll give you the floor first. I think, well, speaking as an Avalanche fan, uh, that Western Conference looks really, really good on our behalf. I'm really excited for that television game Canadian Conference. Um, the all Canadian, just watching Toronto, Montreal, as much as I want, bring it on. Uh, but I, I like how it is. I like the, the reasoning behind it. And I mean, it's not a forever thing. So, I mean, you can't really get upset. It's what we have to do to get through the season to limit travel. But I mean, if you look at these divisions, it can set up for some really good rivalries going into the playoffs. Yeah, absolutely, and and, um, and uh, yeah, that's that's a huge thing too. I mean, obviously, still keeping the game interesting while all while uh, still having a uh, you know a, a methodical approach to it is a really big thing. So yeah, I can agree with that. Uh, uh, what do you th- what what do you boys think, uh, Bryce, uh, Ross, Daniel? Uh, yeah, I, I think you know. Kind of what Kyle said, I think, if you're in a division and you play certain teams a certain amount of times, you're going to develop a rivalry, maybe multiple rivalries based on what happens. And so I think that can, you know, add to really exciting hockey. Um, More fast play, more physical play, um, um, you know, more chippy play. And that's the kind of stuff I think I like as a hockey fan, as a hockey player. 
I like that kind of stuff. And I think you can probably see that in the, in the individual division that you watch in the next upcoming season. Um, so, yeah, that's my point on that. I kind of agree with Kyle there. What do you guys think about the hardest division? Yeah, and I, I – well, I was going to say that I agree with the, the rivalries and stuff and that, and it's even going to make the current rivalries, like you got Philadelphia and Pittsburgh and Pittsburgh and Washington – they're going to just be at each other's throats. I mean, you got Anaheim and L.A., same thing. Um, so, yeah, I think it's going to refuel a lot of old rivalries in some of these divisions and uh, might make a lot newer rivalries. And I'll go on with your next question. Um, God, uh, that's kind of hard because they're all pretty evenly matched. You've got teams that are decent and teams that are, you know, cup contenders in each division. So it could go in either way, I feel. Oh, for the hardest division? Yeah, I mean, yeah. there's a lot of things going on there. I mean... Especially have just an all-Canadian division. That's going to be really interesting for the fans in Canada, especially Daniel over here. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I... It's like a civil war. <laughs> I, I, feel, I feel great for... You know Canada hockey. Um, it's it's always fun. You know it it seems like we have hockey night in Canada every weekend for like thirty weeks of the year, and that's always just so much fun. Um, and they when they do the double headers, it's great. And you you look at this proposed division and you do the math, and that translates to basically a lockout season with a lot of. Uh, like a lockout shortened season, sorry, excuse me, with like a lot of games back to back among Canadian teams. Like as a as a fan, that's awesome. As as a Canadian fan, though, I really want a cup back, but to be won by a Canadian team. And it it seems like the way that these divisions have been set up, we have less chance of having Canadian teams make the playoffs than if they were spread out. So from that specific point of view. I'm always looking for a reason to complain. It's not like great. Um, but then, you know, another thing we like to do here is like jump on the what's what else could go wrong for Buffalo Sabres. And gosh, it, it seems wrong. <laughs> and I look at this East division that they're proposing and they're in there with the Bruins, the Hurricanes, the Islanders, the Rangers, and the Capitals. The only other team in there that didn't make the playoffs last year was the Devils. And it's like, damn, yeah. dude. Like, it, I mean, shit. Yeah. Like, it just got, like, somehow worse for <laughs> Buffalo again. Um, so yeah. I'm laughing about that. And as I look over these lists and I see the rivalries, I'm, I'm really excited about that. I hope it didn't fuck up the NHL's reverse retro jersey situation and when they were going to play against them and whatnot. But I think that's lowest on their priorities right now as to what goes into the divisions, but not on mine. I like to see the Wild Wing against the Peyote if I could. That seems dope. So, you know, all in all, right. I'm a big hockey fan about this. I think it's going to be interesting. I think it's going to be super fun. And uh, I liked your point about just, you know, this isn't a forever thing. Let's just kind of try to embrace it. And I, I love that attitude for sure. And, and uh, that's uh, – oh, sorry. Go ahead, Kyle. Uh, back to the what you guys were mentioning about the rivalry. I mean, 
again, on the Avalanche side, the Stars and the Avalanche, it got really heated at the end of their playoff <laughs> series in the bubble. And now the NHL has put them in their own division and said, have fun. So yeah, I and, think and that's going to be one of the barn burners. Yeah. And it's it's just going to be, I think that one's going to be the one for, like, Canada and the division with the Avalanche are going to be the two, like, where the rivalries are really going to start popping off. And you can sit there, and those are going to be some good TV games. Do you think the pandemic has caused, like, the fan bases from both the Red Wings and the Avalanche to kind of forget, will, or will forget the rivalry because we now have these bubbles and division rivalries, we're going to be like, okay, now we have three rivalries. It could be the Red Wings, it could be the Wild and the Stars. Let's go all three of them, or just the two of them. Actually, I have a lot to. I actually, like, I, just, I just want to interject real quick. <laughs> I actually have a lot to say about the uh, Colorado uh, Detroit rivalry, and I'm going to try to package it, package it in as much as I can. Uh, put a nice little bow on it. It's just like. Ever since, ever since Detroit has moved uh, to the Eastern Conference, it, it the, that that rivalry really, really hasn't been the same. I mean, don't I get agree. me wrong, historic rivalry for sure, always going to be a part of both teams, um, uh, you know, just histories. But as, as of right now, I mean, I uh, it's not the pandemic that really is like does that rivalry. It's really that the fact is we only see him twice a, a year anymore. And I, if anything, if I was to say uh, the Avalanche having a rivalry with anyone, it would have to be uh, the Minnesota Wild, just because of the uh, Game sevens all the uh, dr- all, all the playoff dramatics and yeah. uh, animosity that's built up between them. I think if anybody, yep. I mean, uh, I, and I mean, Kyle had a great point about you know uh, Dallas and the uh, the Avalanche, you know, it getting really chippy last year. So yeah. I mean. That could be that could be a rise of a new rivalry. That's and that's the thing that uh, I'm really excited about is possibly seeing new rivalries come out yeah. of this entire yeah. these pandemic divisions. But I also wanna I also wanna point out is that Chicago and Detroit are in a, the same division, and you got to think back to <laughs> yeah. those, those old that that old rivalry. I mean, because oh, yeah. there were. Th- there was a time where Detroit and Chicago would go at it like, you know, uh, two rabid Wolverines stuffed inside a sack. <laughs> so that'll be kind of exciting to see. So, I mean, and so, yeah, I mean, uh, in this whole pandemic, you know, uh, uh, the, uh, split division, new division kind of thing, I am excited to see what kind of new rivalries and who really fucking hates each other now, you know. And we might no, see per- a happy Gilmore penalty. <laughs> <laughs> and I think the team that loses out the most with all these rivalries being spun up is next year when the Kraken come in and all these teams are just like at each other's throats and the Kraken just come in like, hey, everybody. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, everyone's going to have bonded through a COVID pandemic, and it's like, hey, it's like grumpy old man syndrome. It's like, well, back in my day, and it's like, you haven't earned your stripes yet, kid, you know. Seattle Kraken's like the, uh, you know, SJWs of today, like, okay, boomers. (laughs) You So, all right, uh, now that we've got this, we've got the, uh, you know, realigned divisions and everything, uh, how, how do we look, uh, how do we look at uh, 
you know, playoff ranking and stuff. Are we gonna? Are we just gonna go? You know, top uh, uh, top four teams in each division. Sure, that's a great theory. Go. I'd say maybe yeah, top two or three. It, you can go as far as that and just you know, them all go at it. You know what, though, guys? I mean, as much as the logic totally makes sense there, part of the logic of the way the system is is based on the amount of times you play certain teams in your division and all that stuff. So what if, even though we're seeing these four divisions, only two of them play each other the whole year, right? Like, yeah. what if the travel affects the way it works out that it's kind of like more the NFL style where you really have an AFC and an NFC and they barely ever play each other the whole year until the final finals. So I, I think that's know. what we're looking at. Yeah. Yeah. Which yeah. I mean, at, which in, in a, in a, in that sense, it'll make the uh, playoffs a little more intriguing because I mean, you're, you're going to be seeing teams that you haven't seen all year eventually. That's going to make for a very interesting planning but on, you know, uh, coaches and, and and how the team prepares for uh, these playoff series. And could we not add, I mean, the season's already kind of crazy as it is, and if we do happen to have those series-type matchups, could we not add the stat of a series win as a tiebreaker or... Like, if we win a series against Anaheim, that's a tally. We yeah. win one against San Jose, and that's also a way to determine and, you know, spice the regular season up a little bit so you don't just kind of coast through a series. You want to rack up that series win. It's almost like an additional super point, if you will. Well, it's kind of like if you had everyone divided up, you know, right now we're going Canada, East, Central, West. It's almost like you're almost throwing in a northeast, north south, like in a way, like essential. It's like you have the same division, but you're also dividing up teams within a division that play each other multiple times. Yeah. You know, so very what, much like the NFL. Exactly. Like the NFL. Yeah, and and what if like, I mean, haven't they talked for years about the the decision to maybe award more points for? Uh, a regulation win than an overtime win versus a shootout win, you know, maybe that becomes more of a factor this year than in, in years totally. past. Um, we could start seeing that be more of a, a an indicator for playoff situations. Cause you know, you're going to have to st like, think about it. I mean, just go off of literally every professional league that's been trying to roll out a season. Yeah. They've Look been, at, Penalty whittling down the time. game the games that they've played so you might have to start going to like a different system sorry yeah. bryce what were you gonna say i was talking about penalty time too or penalty minutes that is also a thing that comes up rarely but it's a tiebreaker so you can look at teams you play a lot and you look at competitive play teams should be trying to take less penalties so you can see a lot of interesting play, but just throwing out the other a loose idea of how you can take um, penalty minutes and penalty time as into consideration for a playoff um, position. Mm -hmm. uh, see, yeah, that's going to be interesting. I mean, they, uh, I, I am very, I'm very anxious to hear what the NHL has planned for uh, playoff ranking and and uh, and who plays who. You know. 
Because, I mean, uh, yeah, you've got this, like, whole, whole Canadian division, yeah, and then you've got basically a West division, and then two East divisions. So are you saying that no matter who in the Canadian division, uh, you're going to have to play either the West division or one of the East divisions? How how, how are you going to split this up? Are the two East divisions going to play that? Uh, play uh play each other or or is it going to be all division i mean like uh uh the four teams that get into the playoffs do they uh do they play interdivisionally and then spread out from that i i'm just i'm I'm curious as to how they're going to do that yeah who knows uh yeah uh i mean and i mean is there going to be a wild card? I, I would I would assume there's not going to be a wild card this year, just as because uh, it's already complicated as all get out. But I mean, I'm, I'm just kind of I'm sitting here kind of wondering that maybe I'm looking a little too far down the road. Maybe because these. I would like to see us at least get close enough, at least ten to fifteen games away from the end of the season, and everything humming along just fine before they lay out the playoffs, because I think it's still, like, this is initial groundwork. I mean, we still got to get to that January 13th date and make sure everybody can still get there and be healthy, and we got to get to that finish line healthy. Um, I think they just want to get it rolling, see how it goes, and I think we're just taking it day by day at this point. Yeah, and I mean, I guess that's really not the worst way to look at it either. I mean, you know, take it in stride, see how it goes till then. All right, all right. Well, I think uh, I think we've covered pretty much everything about what's going on in the NHL now. So, uh, can I, actually, can, Cody, to, Cody, do you mind? I've got one more hypothetical on this. I I wanted to ask the group about. Oh, by all means, absolutely. So I've been I've been kind of wondering about this ever since like it's become a thing in the NHL All-Star game, these three-on-three tournaments. And I've been kind of looking at how certain NFL teams have had to like really dig deep from their practice squads in order just to feel the team and get a game going. And I'm kind of wondering, because you don't have that same level of depth in hockey and the other leagues aren't operating to the same extent, I wonder, would the NHL... at say the show goes on and start doing three on three tournaments with the teams instead of five on five. Oh, wow. That's uh that'd be an interesting, interesting twist, dude. That'd be I mean, really even interesting to four on four hockey too. I mean, you have more ice, you have a lot more of uh, open ice play and you have, you know, especially with the talents that the players coming into the league have nowadays. More spacing, more time would just add to a more exciting game, I feel like. Hmm. Yeah. Plus four on four. Especially in a sport. It's all based about space and time. Hmm. I just, I'm I'm thinking about it more than just like, can you make a team and more like, can we play? Can we, because in beer league, sometimes it's like, no, screw it. We're just doing four on four instead of five on five because that's all we got, you know? And I I, I don't see that being. Like teams being like, I'm gonna pick my top three from this from my team, and you pick your top three. But like your top three could totally be way better than the other teams' top three. So it's like, do we limit players on who plays 
this many games or that's kind of interesting how you can well, you can almost pick the NBA and kind of overload a team with three on three players. It's kind of interesting. I think that would be like an incredible like thing to watch on TV. The only worry I have about us going to that would it be like, you know, everybody that didn't win the cup last year just throws it off at all oh, this that Stanley Cup has an asterisk next to it. It wasn't a real season. If we're going down to three on three and four on four, I wonder if that's going to be the discussion when it comes playoff time. Well, we didn't make the playoffs, but I mean, three on three, it's not an actual season. And then I wonder if it takes away from the end goal a little bit. Mm-hmm. I, yeah, I could, I could definitely see that. I mean, that- uh, I would say in in some in a lot of capacities, I think a lot of fans and um, teams would be pretty uh, pretty butthurt about that in the in the long run. And I mean, you got to think about. I mean, if you if you're playing three on three, you, you get you you're getting worn down way more. So that's like you're running your players completely ragged, no matter what. If you uh, I mean, if you have enough players to play. Or or uh, or if you, especially if there's so many COVID cases on that team, you're still wearing down these players that are still playing. If anything, I would assume that they would uh, be able to bring uh, expand the roster to where a lot of your AHL players can actually come and uh, practice and be with the team throughout the season before they would think about going uh, three on three for sure. Yeah, just kind of like what they did in the bubble uh, uh, for the playoffs is that they expanded the roster to what like, uh, like I think uh, uh, two, uh, three goalies, and then yeah. <laughs> uh, you, you've got like five or six guys that are you know um, that uh, that are scratched every single night. I think you're just gonna get you're gonna have more uh, more players to carry with you on your team before they even take a look at three on three. Interesting thought, though. Very interesting thought. Yeah, it is. Yeah. I mean, what if they call up the Zamboni driver? <laughs> right. <laughs> I have a point to make on that real quickly. I have a one point to make on that. What if, what if the NHL is something like the NBA did with the summer league, um, where you did create maybe a three-on-three hockey tournament or a four-on-four hockey tournament? It could be a way for the NHL to make some revenue in between seasons, kind of help with what happened with the COVID. Work, maybe doing yeah. like if the players are interested in doing it, if they want to, go for it. It's three on three, four on four hockey in a summer league. Um, but I just noticed it's something that the NBA does every summer. It's an interesting idea. To and I'd bring back team league. alumni for it too. Hey Bryce, yeah. in that what... league, does do the players that are playing in it are they pros in the NBA? Yeah, they're all professionals. So are they getting paid extra money to play in that tournament? I think they are, but it's not like anything you see in the season. It's probably, you know, maybe one-third of what you would see in an actual game. It's like a one-month tournament. Okay, because I, I just I look at that, and I'm like, that's an awesome idea. That sounds like the Olympics, Yeah, and, and I know that they don't like giving the players out for anything other than the sport, but there's yeah. precedent there, too. It'd be different because... from, like, the world, the world's. Yeah, no, I I totally understand what you're talking about. I think it's a very interesting concept and almost like a showcase tournament to grow the game as well. Like, I think that's super interesting to think about. I know that when they had previous lockouts in the 90s, 
um, they had four NHLPA teams that played in a tournament uh, sponsored by Kraft. And it was yeah. like a showcase tournament of the players because they wanted to play and the fans wanted it. And it was like operated under the NHLPA, not the NHL. And it's just no pun intended food for thought. So I like it. Yeah. And like, it also gives rookies a chance to really, if they get drafted, it gives you a chance to maybe play some NHL hockey at a lower level. Because a lot of these players might not be your highlight players like McKinnon or Landis Gog or anybody else like that. It might just be people trying to really, um, you know, like add to their game in the off season. So give your rookies a chance to play some three on three, four on four, make some extra money before you hop into the NHL. I think it would be, especially with the NHL coming up on the end of their current television deal, and with if the rumors are correct that they could be possibly getting a deal with ESPN, I think in the offseason, if you had a, like a three-on-three tournament with teams and like you bring back alumni with your like rookies and have them go in an offseason tournament, I mean, what better way to grow the sport and put eyeballs on your team? Like You have a Ginla going against Sackick, and you bring in like, has Sackick on a team with McCarr, Johnny Gurdow with Iggy oh, up God. in Calgary. I what mean, that mean? I mean, everybody was doing it. Short in the ice. What do you think the ice rink's smaller? Yeah, now no, you're talking yeah. Three on three. That would be so yeah, dope if it was like a like a, a. You have to have ten players under twenty and ten players over forty. You know, totally. that would be yeah. cool. Jeez. totally. Like, it would also be good because like, that club would be able to give those young guys leadership, too, you know? Or at least yeah. show them how to drink beer yeah. properly and stuff, you know? Well, <laughs> and even going with the old guys, too, you're going to get a lot more fans wanting to watch and being a part of that, too, because they love seeing all those old players play. So Yeah, for yeah, for like nostalgia. Oh, for too. sure. That's the reason I went to the stadium series at Coors Field. It wasn't for the game with Landis Gog in it. I wanted to see yeah. Claude Lemieux see if he would fight Chris Draper again. At sure. least the old guys <laughs> still won. I jeez, man. Uh, I got I got problems with the Avalanche and Stadium series. Apparently, they've got problems with it too. That's just all I got to say. God. <laughs> Well, I, that's a, that's interesting food for thought because uh, if I'm not mistaken, like that uh, uh, NBA summer league, it's also with like, you know, uh, later draft uh, draft uh, draftees too. Like it is, it's mostly draft stuff. picks or you know guys who aren't your highlight players, just all star players, but they're people who are at the professional level, and you have a fan base who are willing to watch their favorite players or their favorite players on their team. So you look at what the NHL could do, because I, I look at even the main, even soccer. Soccer is the same thing. It's all around sport, and there's people playing all year long, and they're still making money. They still have a fan base. But I think as a hockey player, we're sitting around until winter comes along again, or October. We're like, oh, gosh, I'm waiting for hockey. Give me some hockey, unless, you know, it's the, it's the juniors, world championships, or maybe it's, you know, the World Cup of Hockey. You don't have summer hockey. You know, that's just something that I think as a hockey fan, I think all of us are kind of eager to have is something just to watch. They had a good high level of hockey. I just, the the soccer reference made me think of something. Um, 
I need some help here as I'm not the soccer guru that you might be, Bryce, but doesn't the main leagues over there kind of operate towards a championship, but then they also have those leagues playing together in something called the Champions League, and it's kind of like the top few teams from each of these individual professional sports like playing against each other in another Isn't that aggregate. Conf- the CONCACAF? Yeah, it could be that. Um, yeah, I'm not a soccer expert, but I know that there's all different types of leagues where, you know, you might not see your all-star players in it, but you're still seeing a really high level of the sport you but enjoy. What I'm actually talking but, about is like there's four high-end leagues, and then they all have their individual championships, like the Premier League, the Serie A. Oh, yes, the, yes. And then they also have like the top three teams from each one of those competing in something that I think is called the Champions League Tournament. So it's kind of yeah. I think you're right. So what I'm getting that, at is like, wouldn't it be interesting if like at the end of an NHL, a typical NHL regular season, after you've had your Stanley Cup, then all divisions do that. Then what you have is maybe like a tournament that takes place with the top five teams that have over the last aggregate five years have played the best. And so every year it's actually the last five years aggregate. So it's mostly the best teams every year. You could do something like that to keep it in the NHL, or you could do something a little bit different that I think would be less competitive, but still really interesting, which is like you take the top three teams from the NHL and the top three teams from the Swedish Elite League and the KHL and have kind of like a Memorial Cup style uh, junior tournament, but at the NHL level. But I just think that the drop off in skill level after NHL is too too wide for it to be competitive, but... It would be super you know, interesting. It's funny that That's... you mentioned that, Daniel, uh, because that is exactly what uh, Simon Selberg uh, is doing over in in Europe right now, doing a cha- uh, create uh, creating a Champions League for all like the Swedish Elite League, like the Hockey Allsvenskan. Okay. Uh, you know the Finnish Liga, the all, all that. That is exactly what he's doing over in Europe. So yeah, I mean, it is possible. Hmm. As of right now, that is the origins of the Stanley Cup itself. Um, when you won the Stanley Cup, it was challenge based. It was almost like the twenty four seven title in WWE. Um, when you won the Stanley Cup, you had the target on your back, and the champion from all the other leagues in Canada or whatever league they would write you to request a game, and they would write you back to accept, and they would play. The winner keeps the cup, and then would be up for the next one, and that's the origins of the Stanley Cup. That's true. Uh, that's yeah. uh, that's dope. I love that you added that because it it the trophy's been awarded longer than the NHL has been a league. Yes. Yep. Yes. Yeah. It says you want to take on the champ. I'm right here. Like. <laughs> yeah. That's the one thing pretty... Ottawa Senators fans are holding on to is that they won the cup, <laughs> just not in the NHL uh, during the NHL. Right. <clears throat> oh well, I, 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 that's a lot of food for thought. Just like, uh, just as Daniel said, uh, yes, I'm interested in the Alabama hockey though a little bit. Tell us about yeah. your, you know the team you watch a little bit. Yeah, um, I am from Birmingham, Alabama. Uh, we have a hockey team out here. Ironically enough, we used to have one, an ECHL team um, from like the they were WHL then WHA all the way up to ECHL, and they left in the 2000s. They were the Birmingham Bulls, 
they moved to, I believe, Andorondack, if I'm not mistaken. But in 2017, they came back as an uh, SPHL team, um, repping the, the sweater now, repping the tarp. Um, they're, uh, we are actually playing hockey in this league. It's a 10-team league. Five teams elected to play this season. The other five are going to postpone and wait till next season. But December 26th, puck drops for the home opener for the Birmingham Bulls. And uh, it's like 2,000, 3,000 are allowed in the stadium. Wow. But we will have hockey in Alabama before the NHL. Well, yeah, just interesting to me because See, I want to uh, know about um, the atmosphere there. Is it like country music in a bar like you just imagine? Like, tell us about the atmosphere at those games, man. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, the stigma around Alabama is that it is like every day's Dukes of Hazard, but it's not. Um, it's every like, other it's day. a rowdy atmosphere. Um, imagine SEC football, but with hockey. And, like, we have a rivalry, Birmingham, the Birmingham Bulls, their rival is just up the road in Huntsville, Alabama. They're the Huntsville Havoc. And those fans will travel. They get in buses, they get in vans. And either Birmingham's going to Huntsville or Huntsville's going to Birmingham. And those games are crazy. <laughs> I mean, it's trash talking. Uh, the Bulls, we all have cowbells. Um, section 108, uh, Bulls fans will know. That's the loudest <laughs> section in the arena. You ring the bells. It's crazy. Um, it's, I mean, look it up. I mean, there's, there's video. There's websites. I mean, you could stream the games on Hockey TV. Um, it's, you wouldn't think it's a hockey hotbed, but I mean, ESPN came down here two years ago and did an article on the state of hockey in Alabama. Um, I believe this was because Cam Talbot actually graduated from the university of Alabama Huntsville. And, uh, that was like the big claim to fame here in Alabama. Nick Dowd, who plays for the Washington Capitals was born and raised up in North Alabama. So, I I know you like to think we're like jumping the General Lee over ditches and stuff, but there's a I mean we could play we say you could uh you could play hockey here from a fetus to diabetes like you can. <laughs> <laughs> there's like there's leagues for like learn to plays and like it's just it's there's a huge hockey community around here and it's it's super cool. That that's amazing because you know I've been to Birmingham a few times. You know, love the people there, and I love the style of life. You just never think that you'd find ice over there. And when I hear about that, I think that's just the coolest thing to hear. That you play, you know, you got your own barn, you got your own senior vice, and you got your own awesome, unique set of fans out there. And so it sounds like a great time. So thanks for kind of elaborating about that, man. That's pretty cool. Yeah, it's I love fascinating. That Oh, sorry. Uh, I love that comparison. It's like uh, SEC, but on ice. That's that's awesome, yeah. and I love I love to hear that. Uh, you know, uh, uh, Birmingham, uh, Birmingham's, they uh, they bring the ruckus, man. That's 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 awesome to hear. Yeah, it they is. Uh, we. When you're looking at for football, like it's a physical sport, and then you look at how hockey is a physical sport. I just think about how the fans are just I just as irate about football as they are hockey when you get into an arena like that. 
and the teams around here, the college teams, they all they like kind of sync up and they'll play their home games on the on like a Thursday night. And for twenty dollars, you can go and watch University of Alabama, Auburn, and uh, UAB, the Blazers. They'll play back to back to back, and twenty dollars, you get three games for one ticket. You just sit there, wow. and it's just nonstop hockey, and it's college that college atmosphere. And I mean, everybody knows about Alabama and Auburn rivalry. It also translates oh, yeah. to hockey. They have the Iron Cup, and it's just as it's just as rowdy, and it's super awesome. That's, That's cool. awesome. Three three games for twenty bucks. I wish. That's awesome. Yeah, it's um, yeah. The Bulls games are cheap to get into. I think it's like thirty five dollars to get up against the glass. Oh. Wow. Wow. I mean, you can't beat that. No, oh, absolutely man. not. I I mean, uh, for uh, last last NHL lockout, I think the closest we had to that was. Uh, you know the Denver Cutthroats. You could get into a game for like fifteen bucks, not unless uh, you know you lived like further up north and you were watching you know the Eagles back in their ECA, ECHL days. But uh, yeah, I mean, I don't think I've ever gotten to see three games of hockey for twenty bucks. That's just I and, mean, and down here people are spending hundreds of dollars on college football tickets because there's no professional teams in Alabama. We don't have baseball, professional football, or basketball. It's college it's football. That's it. it rules. No, not here, my friend. I'm an <laughs> Auburn fan. So. Oh, good for you. Uh, but like, good for you. yeah, oh, I've got War some smart War Eagle. But like. They'll spend hundreds of dollars for going out to a football game when it's like 95 degrees and 100% humidity. They're out there sweating to death, paying like $12 for like a drink. But you could go pay $20, sit at a Bulls game, and it's nice and comfortable. And the food's great. The drinks are great. I mean, <laughs> I mean, how can you argue with that? Seriously, sitting in nice ice. Oh, I'm uh, coming. <laughs> yeah. yeah, oh, yeah. Hey. <laughs> <laughs> be funny if if when you went and played the havoc, they served Rocky Mountain oysters at the concession stand. Oh. <laughs> uh, no. From here to Alabama, yeah. Uh, no. I have to ask, and this isn't because it's Alabama; it's because it's the SPHL. Like, I gotta imagine there's some fun things that happen during the games at intermissions, as giveaways or something. Do you do you remember any of those? By chance, or am I just? It's. Is it more typical not, than I think? It's more typical than you think. Um, I think. Well, because it is Alabama, and you're in the Bible Belt, we have a church night. But other than that, like it's you're like t-shirt giveaways, and like in between periods, you have like the Coke can races and bubble hockey. Do they flood I the mean, ice with holy water on that night? Or uh, no. <laughs> no. <laughs> <laughs> no yeah that, that's, that's actually what the ice is made of that night <laughs> it just, Jeez. Yeah, it, just have a priest come bless the uh water before they put it down or something yeah but it's there's no it's it's honestly I'm, like you come down here and if you just like took a plane landed in birmingham and took a, a short uber to pelham to the arena and you sat down and watched the game, you would have no idea really where you were. You wouldn't think you were in the South. Like, they have the pyro, they have the the music, the lights. Like, it, it's a full hockey atmosphere. 
And it's not every intermission. Sweet Home Alabama is not played, and that's not our goal song. <laughs> so, oh, God. <laughs> I just I'm imagining like, someone with like an "We're gonna exercise your demon" sign and stuff. <laughs> oh my God! Yes. So that's, that's <laughs> no, it's, I like that. <laughs> uh, that it's sounds a, fun. It's a really it cool. Sounds I, like I'd love. It's to super go. cool. No, it sounds like yeah, it's a it's a hospitality and a lot of party mentality when you're watching a hockey game. <laughs> yeah, you wear the you wear you wear the right jersey, you're everybody's best friend. Mm-hmm. That's exactly how it is you walk into the arena. Not in, in, unless you're wearing the other jersey. I mean, hey, that's hockey, baby. That is hockey. Yeah, that's, that's how it goes. To quote uh one John Forslund, I guess. Uh so I mean, uh have you uh you've grown up the entire uh so you lived in Alabama your entire life or uh you moved there I'm born and raised in Alabama um Walker County Alabama and that's a little more country but I don't live there anymore um born and raised in Alabama I did live a couple years in Pennsylvania um when I was like tw- in my early 20s but I'm born and raised in Alabama and I'm back here and uh yeah I just don't have the the country music accent. Uh, hey, that's all right. Not not everyone can be Luke Bryan. <laughs> but uh, so so, how did you become an Avs fan? I mean, uh, tell me how like just how you got hooked onto the Avs, and you know just uh, how that that uh, that kind of influenced you on uh, pursuing you know a fanship, and obviously uh, what you've done in hockey so far. Well, uh, growing up. Uh, it was one of those, I mean, grew up with a rabbit ear television. So uh, you would adjust the rabbit ears to get the antenna right, put the foil on the end, and you would watch Forsberg and Waugh and Sackick on the ice. And those were the closest things to rock stars at the time for me. And then, like your first time seeing hockey, it takes all the competitive qualities from all the other sports, puts it on ice, and it's just it's faster than all the other sports. And it's incredible. And you're just like... This is like, and then you tell everybody like, you guys got to check this out. And everybody's like, well, that's a Canada thing. And you're like, no, you got to check this out. And I mean, I remember, I mean, it dates me a little bit, but like the Stars and Sabres games, like watching those games with the glow puck on Fox, like getting it just right so you can actually see everything. Oh, like those are like great memories. And like, those are the times you could go to Walmart and you could go get a WAF figure in the toy department. Mm-hmm. Like, that's how big hockey was in the 90s. And, I mean, yeah, that's what I'm talking about. And, like, uh, just Bryce last year for Christmas, off his my brother... <laughs> I have so yeah, many like, My anyway. brother found one year... Um, he Last year for Christmas, he found the starting lineup, uh, Patrick Wad, Joe Sackick, like, figure set from the 90s that I used to have, he found it in the packaging and gave it to me for Christmas. And, like, it's just, I've always been a hockey fan. And, like, when everybody talks their football around here, and, like, of course you get some Braves fans, and you get, like, Saints and Titans and, like, all that fringe fandom around here. I've always been beating the drum for, like, for hockey, and they always call me, like, the Canadian or, like, Hockey Jesus or... But I'll take it because, like, I'm, like, that passionate into the sport. Like, growing up, I would play the uh, Super Nintendo Stanley Cup game. 
and I would like sim the season and like keep track of all the stats. And I would do that. I would play all the NHL EA Sports games and like, um, like we still kind of continue that tradition on the Fourth Line Minute show where we sim the season right at the end of the show just to see who wins, just for the heck of it. Nice. But like hockey is like it's it's one of the best sports on the planet that everybody just kind of like they don't give it the respect it deserves because it has what everybody loves about the sport they're passionate about. They just don't give it a chance because for some reason it just doesn't have that appeal and there's a disconnect. And I think it has to do with a lot of the lockouts. Um, Baseball and the NBA went through it for a little while and maybe the NHL can get this back on track and, Possibly get that ESPN deal where it is a little bit more lucrative now, where more eyeballs can get on it, because I'm telling you, it's the best sport on the planet. I agree, Kyle, and I feel like a part of that disconnect is maybe just because of the speed of the sport, it's kind of hard for people to follow, and maybe some of the rules, they're like, why is there a whistle? Why did it stop? Or more importantly, why isn't there a fight going on? So just like these yep. little things that I feel like there's you're right, there's a disconnect there between the sport and the fans and how how they, they should perceive the sport. And it's one of the harder sports to pick up and go play because it's so expensive. Yeah. I mean, it's one of the more expensive sports to get into on that regard. And it's not like I could go find a patch of ice to go play on out here. Like you gotta go I, to a dedicated rink. Yeah, exactly. I was just about to say. I mean, most uh, most places. I mean, even even up in Canada, you know, you can just go to an open field, kick the ball around, or find you know just some random basketball court or uh, you know baseball field and have a bat and a ball and a couple of gloves and just you know go go at it. That that is that is the one unfortunate thing about hockey is that I mean, especially well, especially ice hockey is that you need a designated spot to do it. Not everybody has these frozen lakes around here, like uh, our brothers to the north, to just go and, you know, pass the puck around. So I, I definitely agree with that. And it's a shame because, I mean, hockey is great. I mean, uh, not only to watch the sport, but it is a, an incredible sport to be a part of and to play uh, if you get the chance. And, yeah, yeah I, there is definitely a disconnect there with, I mean, kids uh, – Kids growing up, especially maybe in like lower income neighborhoods and stuff like that, it's it's definitely harder for harder to reach for them. Yeah. So how did yeah, you get, like? How, oh, go for it. Sorry. No, continue. Oh no, I was uh, um I was just gonna I was just gonna see uh, how did you get hooked up with Mile High Stickings? I know you've uh, been a contributor to them on on occasion. Like how how. How'd that go down? And I mean, like, can you kind of like talk about uh, your role with them and how, uh, how that all happened? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, the contributions to Mile High Sticking came about with the uh, affiliation and eventual friendship I had with the host of Locked On Avalanche, Chris Maselli. Uh, he heard about the uh, position and he's like, hey, bud. He's like, you should give it a shot. And of course, I mean, before we hit the record button, I was also prefacing, like, my appearance here. Like, everything that has to do with, like, the realm of hockey, I always feel like I'm just a guy from Alabama. I'm not that significant. And I told him, I was like, 
who wants to f- look up an Avalanche article and see it's from a dude from Alabama? He's like, oh, give it a shot. So I gave it a shot, and, of course, they accepted. And uh, I've been on a little bit of a break. I'm probably going to be picking it up in uh, January again. But, uh, yeah, I've been writing with Mile High Sticking, uh, sending in contributions, takes on the hot news that's been going on. But what I've been trying to do is uh, it's called a series called Why Not Us? And it's because you ask any Avalanche fan about Avalanche history, they're going to tell you about the two cup years. They're not going to talk about the ones that we didn't win the cup. So I, my articles are about the ones we didn't win using the hashtag we use um, on our playoff runs with Duchesne, the Why Not Us hashtag. I chronicle the series we didn't win the, play, uh, the Stanley Cup and why we didn't and the factors in that season that prevented us from winning the Stanley Cup. And I wanted it to lead all the way up to the uh, 25th anniversary season. And I really didn't want uh, this last season to be on the list, but we fell a little short. So 2019-2020 is going to be a Why Not Us article as well. But No, and that's interesting thought. I mean, yeah, uh, you ask any Avalanche player, just like you said, or fan, I should support player as well. I mean, even when we were talking to Milan, like he, he even even uh, made a point to say is that like we only won one cup when I was with them, you know, and we had such good teams so many times. So that's a really interesting way of like you know uh, chronicling the years of like the Avalanche, where uh, you know a lot of people think that yeah they 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 have been this powerhouse, but there's reasons why they missed the playoffs, and that's. That's cool to uh, maybe to like you know uh, preface and focus on that. That's a that's a really interesting idea. Because I mean, you ask any Avalanche fan what their favorite season was, nobody's ever going to say the year with Paul Korea and Tumu Solani wearing an Avalanche sweater. I mean, oh, in hindsight, never. you think about it. <laughs> never, <laughs> I will. <laughs> but I'm talking Just like he's a in hindsight. Well, yeah, well, I'm sorry about that, but, like, just thinking about it now, that's crazy. You have yeah. Paul mm-hmm. Correa, Timu Solani, Joe Sackick, and, like, Forsberg. it's just mind-blowing to think wow. about. Forsberg, yeah. Time hated you go down the well. Yeah, and that was the season after Wall retired, and uh, they were. Tra- oh, yeah, that's right. one of the detriments in that season, and, of course, <laughs> the injuries that really plagued them, but... That's a moment in time that I don't know why a lot of Avalanche yeah. fans don't talk about more. Oh, that team was stacked on paper. They should have. It is. It's a good point. And won that. Talk about that shit more. That cup. Yeah, and it's and, it's one of those things because like you even watch like the altitude broadcast, like they always talk about you know the two cup years, and it's very seldom talked about everything else. So that's that was the point of a lot of the articles I was contributing. I, I definitely agree. I mean, we've had some, we've had some, uh, uh, we've had some storied players. Just, I mean, all all the time, like uh, throughout the Avalanche history. That I mean, yeah, it's completely overshadowed by the '96 and 2001 season. I mean, Ryan O'Reilly started here. <laughs> I mean, I, I can't I mean, believe like, we don't have him still. It makes me angry. We should still have Ryan O'Reilly. 
<laughs> well, and and another huge thing. I mean, Paul Stastny. I mean, uh, a yeah, huge. I... I mean, you've got the 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 triplets, the Stastny triplets, and then uh, uh, Peter uh, Peter's son ends up getting drafted and playing for the Avalanche for what first six or se- five or six years of his uh, of his career, and I mean that I mean even that kind of like kind of floats underneath the bridge sometimes. And then you had a line of Gabe Landeskog, Nathan McKinnon, and Matt Duchesne. And it took them trading Matt Duchesne for the top to be taken off of Nate McKinnon and him to go into superstardom. Yeah. Right. So no, that's that's a great way to that's a great way to focus on uh, you know, a history of a team. Because I mean you could do that for for well, every team really, except for I mean, obviously, uh the Kraken. <laughs> <laughs> But uh, uh, so and then so then you get locked get locked in with Locked On Avalanche. Um, tell us a little bit about like your kind of role with uh, Locked On Avalanche as well. Um, it was about a year ago to this point. It was about in February. Uh, Chris with Locked On Avalanche. Um, he has this Fandom Friday segment, and he was like, "Email me, we'll get you on the show." And I'm like, "Why not give it a shot?" So I give an email, and he's like, finds out I'm from Alabama, and he's like, cool, we'll get you on. And then I come on, and like we hit it off, and we're like talking in the DMs, and I come on again, and come on again, and then NHL, like the COVID shutdown happens, and he's like, hey, me and you are going to do the show together, the whole show. I was like, cool. Then I come on again, and come on again, and like we're like, we're we're like super buddies. Like we we're talking like all the time, back and forth. Like it's Star Wars and look at Disney Plus and video games and hockey and when are we getting rid of the door off? And I can't believe. And then all the time. And then he's like, "Hey, you want to come on the show?" I'm like, "Sure." And then we're in this weird limbo phase. So he's like, "Hey, you want to match up Star Wars guys with Avalanche players?" I'm like, "Yeah, I heard that. Episode. You got it, dude." And I'll come on, and we'll do Star Wars, and we'll do Marvel characters, and then he's like, hey, why don't we just, like, start our own thing? I was like, okay. And then Fourth Line Minutes was born, where it's just the most hockey conversation laid back, like, something comes up, we'll talk about it. Like, we're not married, like, to being, like, your breaking news, like, hockey show, like, and we're not your, like, dedicated to just movies and TV and video games. We're just like, hey, it's our conversations in a podcast form, and it's on YouTube, so. So, Fourth Line Minutes, definitely check it out, all, all you listeners out there. I mean, uh, I caught the first episode. I mean, uh, just just like you said, it's loose. It's, it's uh, I mean... It's just chatting, uh, and I dig it. It's 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 gonna be a great one. And based on that background, yes. I think we need him to do a jerseys on the bench for us. Do a little cross promotion on our YouTube channels. Right. Oh yeah, that'd be perfect. Absolutely. 
for those listening, because you obviously can't see, he's got a wallpaper full of hockey jerseys behind him, and it's just a sea of burgundy, and it's beautiful. <laughs> oh yes, it's beautiful. Those are just the ones I got up behind me. I got, I got more around me. I got a Ducks jersey in there. I got a 1970s Birmingham Bulls jersey in there. Damn, there yeah. we go. Yeah, we need to see that. Oh no, that's great. I, uh, so. All right, now, well, no, knowing that you're an Avs fan, now, now we've talked about all, um, all that. Uh, what, where do you see the Avs in this, uh, in the next five years? Oh, at least I would like to see at least a cup. I mean, the way Sackick has this team put together, I mean, financially, even with the COVID uncertainty, I mean, we're still sitting in the upper half of financially stable teams, contracts settled talent i mean every aspect i mean even all the way down to the colorado eagles the utah grizzlies they're taken care of um i mean top to bottom organizationally i think the avs are in a better place now than they ever have been um this could be the new golden era that 10 20 years from now people are pointing back to uh nate mckinnon and gabe landeskog as your forsberg and nate mckinnon's I mean, your Forsbergs and your Sackicks. I mean, we could have Landeskog be our GM in 10 to 20 years and Nate McKinnon <laughs> be on the on the bench coaching. I mean... What about the Moose? We are... Oh, I mean, he could be assistant. He's the Milan. He'll, he'll be right... You know? Yeah, I feel like he's Milan. Uh, hey, he give it all right now. Yeah, Duke, he... Bring it on. Bring <laughs> it on. But, I mean, it's... Where, you look at the league, uh, I really... And I mean, as an Avalanche fan, I mean, we had one of the darkest seasons in NHL history just a few years ago. So, I mean, I'd hate to get super optimistic and say, oh, yeah, the Cup is in our future in the next five years and then be let down again. But the way we're put together, I I don't see us not getting a Cup. And then a question for you, too, Kyle, on top of the Avs and Joe Sackett being the GM. With him growing up in the, you know, a somewhat decent Nordiques team and just seeing how that was built. Would you, I want to get your opinion on this because mine is that helped him build the team of our the Avalanche nowadays because he's been through the ringer and he knows what it takes to build a team to go and win cups since he was on one and saw it go from what it was to being this star-studded roster like almost year in and year out. Yeah, absolutely, and that was that doubles on that point where I was kind of jokingly saying Gabe and Nate could be in the front office one day. I mean, yeah. Joe brought both of them through those dark times where we had, I mean, the 16-17 season and showed them this is how you build a winner. Just ride it out. Don't demand a trade like some people who's in Ottawa, Nashville, wherever he is now. Uh, but <laughs> cough, like, cough, cough. <laughs> uh, yeah, just write it out and see what's in the works. I think Sackick is also training the next GMs of the league. Um, it's funny that uh, Stevie Y and Joe Sackick are like the biggest names in front offices when they were also big rivals on the ice in their playing days. So yeah. they both seen adversity, and they're both bringing both teams from the bottom 
Detroit is on the verge of being something special in the next couple of years. Y'all keep your eye on them. I agree. They have cap to play with, uh, and they have oh, talent yeah. coming in. So keep your eye over there. And Stevie Y is over there, and he's That's why. he's pulling the levers. Yeah, yeah. Oh, well, you, you, know, you just you see what he just did with Tampa too. I mean, there's going to be Absolutely. huge things in the making for Detroit. So yeah, and, and we'll get that rivalry that. spun up again. <laughs> Let's look at what the Avs did last two years. You know, the draft, free agency, what they've done this season. Compare to other teams, and look at the budget we still have. We can still do it, kind of like almost whatever we want right now. Um, and you take all that consideration, and you look at the multiple teams you're playing in our division this year. I think easily, if you look at last year compared to this year, this year with the acquiries we have, we can win the division. Um, but yeah, then I also think about, I come back, coming back to, you know, Cody's question, where, where do you see the ads in five years? I almost kind of feel like you could see them in the playoffs four years, five years straight. I see us in two semifinal rounds, or maybe one, at least two cups. I think next five years, you can at least see two cups and that's really how I feel about it. And, and it kind of go back to, you know, what, you know, what Ross was saying earlier to ownership, you know? In terms of Colorado, our football team and our hockey team, I think that Joe Sackick deserves way more credit if he win a cup than John Alway would ever deserve. And I'm going to end it on that. <laughs> <laughs> well, those that don't learn from history are doomed to repeat it. And all I'm going to say as a Canucks fan is we, we got really close. And if you asked me in 2009 what the Canucks looked like over the next five years, I would have said, we're going to have two cups and we've got all the financial wiggle room in the world to pull that off too. Cause that is what we had guys. We had president trophy winning seasons. We had enough money to pay Matt's Sundin so much money to play for so little amount of time. And it did Ooh. nothing for us. And we had the flex to do that. And then we didn't win. And what I'm what I'm only pointing out is like because the expectation right now is for the Avalanche to be cup winners, if it doesn't go well in the first two years of this five year plan and people don't see the results, that's when you start seeing players get frustrated. That's when you start seeing Ryan Kessler want to go play in Anaheim and force his way out of Vancouver. That's when you start seeing the team get dismantled and you have Kevin BX ago and you have other important pieces of your puzzle leave the the team and so I think if I can just add my like my heartache to this optimism it's I agree with what you are saying if the next two years yields one of those cups if not you don't get any I'm sorry. I don't. I don't want yeah, to I say agree. it's going to be repeating itself, yeah. but I. I feel like that's that's what players are like, and that's what happens. So. And see, like to your point, to Bryce's point, I think the the thing that kind of is the separation from the what the O9 Canucks to where we are now is Joe Sakic's ability to do nothing. When it yeah. when uh last I know what you mean by that. Like, yeah. trade deadline, no Chris Kreider. We didn't go after Chris Kreider, Taylor Hall, um 
we didn't jump on Thank all the big God. names when we had the money to do so. Mm-hmm. Um, and I mean, even the season before this, uh, the last season, he was balking at signing Miko Rantanen. You remember he missed all of training camp. Yep, because they were going over money. I mean, and he's he's worth it. But Sackick had his price tag. Miko had his, and he is perfectly fine sitting there saying, "Okay, meet me in the middle." And it's Sackick's ability to do nothing and hold his stance on things is what gives me that little bit more confidence that we're in the right position mm. going forward. I like Each it. year in playoffs, last three years, we've gotten farther last three years. Each year, last three has gotten a little bit farther. Um, and now it's just kind of putting the last final touches in the cake. Yeah, and we were a one-line team two years ago. Last year, we had two lines. And with Devin Tays and Brandon Saad, we now have three full all-star lines. We have four. I mean, when we, when you've got uh, agreed guys four. like Matt Calvert, uh, Pierre Edward Belmar on your fourth line, like with your PK, it's I I I'm gonna go as far as saying we've got uh, the Avs have a four line team at this point. I just feel like teams are gonna be very overwhelmed come the first period. They're gonna get tired. Hack to the second period. Abs are just going to start taking on that third period team. We're just kicking on goals halfway through the second period into the third period to where teams are just so tired of trying to relentlessly deal with our four lines and the movement of the puck and the speed that we have and the conditioning from being here in the mile high. I feel like that really does contribute to a lot of things. Yeah, and how many teams in the NHL can, like, how many fan bases could sit there and be like, well, who's not starting tonight? Like, it's Jost is sitting there on that starting, sitting, being scratched. Like, how many people know the name of the player that's not going to be dressing that night? Like, we are that deep that that's actually a topic of conversation. Yeah, uh, that, and that's a really yeah. good point as well. And, I mean, yeah, especially I now with the emergence of Logan O'Connor in the, in the playoffs, he's going to be vying for his spot as well. I mean, and I mean, eventually Alex Newhook, Connor Timmons are going to be coming into the league. Bone Byram, all all these guys. I mean, even could be even just this year, be coming in and taking those spots from a, a Tyson Jones. Which I, I mean, mean uh, with his with the output that Jost has had over the last couple of years, very underwhelming. So, I mean, yeah. he could be looking at uh, getting scratched a lot because of these other guys that are coming in that Joe was so uh, so savvy in acquiring or drafting. Yeah. yeah you well, got to understand it's cup or bust. Too. Yeah. yeah. What are you going to say, Ross? Oh, I was saying that uh, Joe's size, too, doesn't help him, along with not having the skill sets, because you look at guys like, McCarr and Gerard, they can skate circles around guys. Where Jost, he, he gets barely caught northbound in the southbound lane. He's on his ass. So, I mean, yeah. I, I'd rather him be more on the scratch list than be playing, honestly, because there's a lot better potential uh, with players that we have coming up here in this season. 
Well, we'll see come training camp for sure who uh, who we get we get started uh, in this season, and we'll find out here shortly. So, uh, and I mean, just that, to bring that, us all back, like in this COVID situation, the depth is important, like in oh, a yeah. different way, right? Oh yeah, oh, absolutely. Absolutely. And yep. I mean, the Avs, the Avs, uh, and Joe listened to the critics, and he's he's made a change, and now we're probably one of the deepest teams right now in the NHL. I think so. Well, and I. I love how everybody was just bashing him, like, as we were saying in the 17th season and even right around that. It's just like, now they're just singing his praises and he just looks like like a fucking genius now, basically. <laughs> think and he's not he, even done yet. Yeah. No. Yeah. <laughs> That's the scary thing, too. <laughs> and you got to think, though, like, he had a lot, of wor- a lot of work to do with the team that he was... Uh, he inherited too, so I mean, you you had to wait till you had to wait till some contracts uh, expired. Uh, you, you have to buy a couple guys out. You have to wait till some guys, you know, uh, uh, really actually, uh, uh, you know, grow into their skates and stuff like that. But I mean, to just to just to round it off here, yeah, I think it's he's done such a great, incredible job. Well, I'll tell you what, boys. I think uh, I think we got an episode here. I think you so too. Betcha. All right. Yeah. Well, uh, uh, at the end of the show, we always like to send shout-outs. So, Kyle, if you got any shout-outs you want to send to anyone, uh, sing their praises now, bud. Uh, shouting out uh, my girlfriend for supporting me, <laughs> and not minding that I'm on this, like on podcast all the time. Follow. Uh, fourth Line Minutes, uh, follow Locked On Avalanche with Chris Maselli, my co-host on Fourth Line Minutes, and definitely love you guys' show. Thank you guys so much for having me on. Thank you. Oh, no, thank you. Uh, all right, Daniel, what do you got, man? I'm definitely going to echo your comments and say shout-out to my girlfriend because, you know, when I'm not talking about my podcast with my friends, I'm now talking on my podcast with my friends so there's a lot of that happening in this house right now and i really appreciate her for all that she does to help me have fun with you guys in these covid times Uh, thanks for being on the show really appreciate it your insight was awesome we're really excited to check out more of your content and i uh, i'll leave the shout outs of our sponsors to the other guys and just want to say thanks for being on and uh be well, be safe. What you got, Ross? Well, um, well, once again, I'm going to say the girlfriend. I mean, friends, family, wouldn't be doing this if it wasn't for you guys and them listening. And thank you, Kyle. This was fun having you on, man, uh, especially an Avs fan from uh, Alabama. So, yeah, um, yeah, a shout-out to My Beer Nation. Um, and, yeah, that's all I've got, guys. What you got, Kimbo Bryce? <laughs> All right, so, so I'm, a man. I'm a single man, so shout out to the next girl who dates me and my family, my friends, the podcast, my beer nation, and of course, thanks again, Kyle, for hopping on, buddy. Yeah, I love how the single people go last. Like, everybody's like, yeah, my girlfriend, and then it's uh, Bryce and I just like, yeah, we, we're alone. <laughs> 
you know, I just want to say uh, thank you, Kyle. Uh, thank you, Kyle, so much. Um, uh, even before Kevin on, uh, really supporting the uh, the podcast, and and uh, thank you for coming on and talking uh, talking with us. Great insights. Uh, I want to, yeah, I just want to say thank you to all the listeners. Also, obviously, Dog Nation. Um, and yeah, check out Lockdown Avalanche podcast and Four Fighting Minutes podcast. Uh, as of right now, I know uh, you're on YouTube. We are on YouTube. The podcast minutes. form is in the work. Well, hey, uh, I would be remiss if I didn't say use Anchor. It's the easiest way to. Anyways, <laughs> uh, but, uh, <laughs> but, yeah, thank well, you that, to no, everybody. Uh, don't forget uh, for uh, everybody. Yeah, we should get an extra cent for that one, eh? Uh, anyways, oh uh, uh, yeah, thank you to all the listeners. Thank you to Kyle. Thank you to everybody else that's been on here. And uh, uh, with that being said, um, we'll we'll catch you next time. So be harsh. Aviento. Salute. Avidas in. Adios. Hey. Adios. Hey. Clear. <laughs> <laughs> Fucking A. All right. Um, Tip of the tongue, the teeth, and the lips. Tip of the tongue, the teeth, and the lips. Red leather, yellow leather. Lemon leather, yellow leather. Yes. The human torch. Lemon face, lemon face. Unique New York. Unique New York. All right. Back at it. All right. Tape to stick from heel to toe. All right. God damn it. All right. Try the damn thing, see what happens.